Welcome to Memphis Machine, a Muddy Pig production. I'm Jonathan Bass. And I'm Carl Casperson, and together we're looking to show off the creative sights and sounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. We geeked out pretty hard on this. Harder than we ever have in any other episode we did. about if gear you, if, and yes, if you like if you if you like to record and you like to shop for gear you can't afford, <laughs> this is a good episode for you. Because yeah. Uh, on the onset we sat down with Ward Archer of Archer Records. ArcherRecords.com, uh, Music Plus Arts. Uh, they host artists such as Amy Levere, uh, um, John Kilzer, uh, rest in peace, uh, Love Light Orchestra, Memphis Ukulele Band, the Mighty Souls Brass Band, and more. Uh, Joyce Cobb, of course. And so if you want a, a nice dose of Memphis-type sounds, uh, ju- jump on their website and check out the artists. The second part of the interview was with Engineer and studio manager and, Daniel Lynn. And Coffee Ninja. That's right. Daniel. Proprietor of. Yes. And he was, he, you know, you get him rolling talking about the gear, and that's 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 what took up a, a good chunk of time, which yeah, was all right was because yeah. that's always. I now have some mics I want to want to talk to you about, Jonathan. Some, yeah, we'll talk. I have, yeah. I have some mics I want to buy. Well, you know. I have some mics I want to go in dead over. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the episode. I'm sorry, so. Wade Archer, right? Warren, sorry. And, no, no, Ward. Ward, W A R D. I'm getting slapped back here. And, and Daniel Lenoir, right? Oh. Yeah, or just Lin. <laughs> Lenoir would be awesome. I'm just saying. But uh, <laughs> we'll stick with Lin. And Daniel, yeah, yeah, yeah. not David. It's my my lone mention in Mix Magazine to this date is, is Daniel Lynch. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was fun. Well, it's hard to straighten things out once they get. Yeah. Out in the world, yeah. we once had a record that came out back when we were we were working closely with Sony, and the guy, uh, the title of the record was "Stranger Me," and he put "Strange Me" into the <laughs> into the the almighty data system, and it never changed. And no, it did change, oh. but it took forever, and it's probably still out there in some right some you know some place it's screwed up but yeah that's great well hey you know we um we typically start with a a bit of bio and that's could you fill us in as to how you arrived here today well um i played music uh when i was younger and in college and thought I was going to be a uh, in a like a band like the Almond Brothers band or something. That's a good band. Uh and I discovered the four track reel to reel tape recorder uh which was being had it just come out the well, I forget the TAC 3340 or something. Mm-hmm. And I got that thing and I you know I I I had already started to write songs and I just the whole craft of you know putting something down and then adding something to it just really appealed to me. And I would just lock myself away for days at that. So I, I, that's how I got into the recording side of it. And about then I decided that, you know, there's a lot better guitar players out there than me, especially after I ran into Jack Holder. Um, and so that's how I got in interested in recording. And I, uh, I started a garage studio, which which grew a little bit and then I was evicted 
when the house when the house in front of the garage sold uh the new owners wanted to turn the garage into a guest house so um that's when i uh started cotton row recording on madison avenue yeah. which is my i partnered up with uh nico Lyris. yeah and i bought that giant building over there it, it maybe doesn't look that big from the street but it was it was it just went on and on and on and you know i was that this was back in the late 70s and um it was we put a lot of work in that place i put a lot of work especially i, I did all the demolition you know myself um and um we got it done and we and we built a, a, a good studio there and um he would he would run it sort of during the day and i would run it at night um i was working at the advertising agency um uh, and um it turned out that i was better at advertising than most anything so i <clears throat> sort of spending more and more time on that and then um uh so i i finally sold my part of the studio to nico and like 1990 or something and um and then i uh I, I bought the uh john malmo ad agency and it became archer malmo and that sort of was all i could do and then some and i did that for about 12 years and then um sold the agency to the management team which was just a, a miraculous thing that that could even happen mm. <clears throat> and um and I had no intention of going back into music, you know. Yeah. I, I, I had been playing in a band again with Brenda Patterson uh, throughout the 90s. And um, we had a song that we wrote that got covered by Maria Muldaur. And uh, that sort of encouraged me to, hey, maybe I, maybe I can do this, you know. Um, and I started this little project studio downtown in the alley behind Sleep Out Louie's. And... That sounds like you just made that up. <laughs> no, it, it was, they didn't even know the space was in the building. It wow. was like you had to get through it, th through the alley and through this access door. And part of the floor was dirt and they had to cover it up. I mean, they were kind enough to finish it out a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> but that was a real fun place. And I had that for a number of years. And um, I started recording the, the classical guitar with Lily Afshar. And, oh, yeah. And I, I started doing that because I was really fascinated with how that sounded and how good could we make it sound and so on and so forth. Mm. And we, we wound up, she talked me into releasing a record. Uh, and this was about the time the internet was coming around and... Um, uh, you know, everything seemed possible. You know, you could you could market it that way, and you could sell it that way, and and uh, so that was the first record, which still still sells today. And um, uh, we went on from there to uh, Sid Selvage. Hmm. Sid marched in and announced that he would like to have a deal with Archer Records. You know, after hearing the Lily Afshar record. <laughs> Had you created Archer Records? Was that, was uh, yeah, that and, and the reason it was Archer Records is we could not clear any names for record labels. I mean, I went through, and I'm, heck, I was in the advertising business. We went through <laughs> hundreds of names, and 
everything in, in, in the entertainment category was taken, you know. Uh, everything we'd come up with that we liked. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's that's how it became Archer Records and uh and it and it grew and we we worked with Sid Sid Selvage and uh uh did I, I believe three albums on, on Sid and we did a Kelly Hurt record and then we got in with the Gamble Brothers band, which right. I was just a huge fan of theirs and love still do love their music and and we did two records on them. I saw Al Gamble the other day, who was in in here doing some uh, doing some work on the Amy Levere record, and I teased him that you know you guys still owe us one more record. Mm. And I said I, I can make it easy. We can do a live record. You know, we can do a we can do a Gamble Brothers Gamble Brothers you know reunion live record. So if you know those guys, send them a message about that. And uh, so anyway, things continued, uh, and then we we ran out of space there, and I was unable to work with the real estate guy. Uh, he just, you know, we just could not seem to work it out to expand where we were. So um, all of a sudden, I get this phone call from Skip McQuinn that says, you know, it sounds unreal that Don Smith would like to sell the the studio and. Uh, so we, that was around 2006 or seven. So this was already a studio, this this building here. Yeah, this this had been kind of sounds unreal for <laughs> a good studio for um, since '82, I believe, and um, it it was still operating. Jack Holder was here, and Don Don Hopkins was here, um, and it was in pretty. It was it was it was a pretty shop worn place. Yeah. Been a lot of a lot of cigarette smoking and whatever, uh, and we started and and we wanted to do be able to do uh, surround sound work for film. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we sort of specialize in, and the control room just wasn't deep enough, and we wound up tearing out the whole thing. And as we this this is the control room now that it used to be at the other end. So that's yes, how ex- we we are in a well appointed control room. With a nice API console, yeah. But so the building has has good bones, as as they say, huh? Yeah, yeah. And if if I had a nickel for every time I walk out the door and somebody says, "What what are y'all doing here?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, we're still trying to figure it out. It, it, I mean, per, yeah, it is somewhat of a nondescript uh, building on the corner of a of a midtown neighborhood. Yeah, it's mysterious and, looking. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And and then Dan, Daniel Lynn, uh, who's here with us today, who's who's the, the studio manager, has been here for working out of here for almost ten years, I think. Wow, jeez, something like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, so he's uh, he's been a real. You know, these things don't run themselves, and there's mm. lots of you have to always be, you know, uh, improving things or or repairing things and making things work. And, Updates. All of um, it. And he's really been a, uh, a godsend for that, and he's a great engineer and producer and, and uh, also helps a lot on the record label side. Great. Because we, we, we're, we're still doing that, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of work that people don't know about that has to go on about getting a record out mm-hmm. that's really important. You know, you've got to, like, metadata. You know, right. yeah. okay, well, that, that well, yeah, exactly. whatever that I mean, is, we can use that as a segue to get into like nuts and bolts. I mean, just operations, 
things that people might not think about, say, if they wanted to open their own studio? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, uh, being the fly on the wall here, I, I, I'd love to ask, how is it uh, in the state of the music business today with an endeavor that is as large as this? <clears throat> it, it, how, how does it work? I mean, how, how do labels, I mean, independent labeling, how, I mean, how, as, as, a, as, as opposed to or compared to, well, you started basically in, in a small room and have grown. So how, I mean, is, is a, how's the model working being a label in today's musical landscape? And a studio. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's several different components here. We've got, uh, we manage two record labels, uh, Archer Records, and we have a nonprofit label called Blue Barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a publishing operation and we have a catalog of songs and we, uh, we endeavor to get those songs placed in, uh, you know, film and TV. Um, and then on, on the studio side, um, we, uh, of course, record and produce our own records, but we also do that for others mm -hmm. so we do a lot of work for hire sort of things and uh, you know I think what people like about this this studio is that there is one studio here it's, it's not a it's not a you know three-room facility and 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 it's kind of private and they can come here and you know do their thing concentrate uh, on on getting it done yeah yeah um, but there's a lot of different parts to it and um which is a good thing i mean it's uh i i, I was just reading bob Lefsitz's uh newsletter this morning and he was talking about the future and he was predicting that you know that you know spotify is now more powerful than any major label and that major labels uh, are producing less and less new music mm-hmm and most new music is coming from the artists themselves and through independent labels like ours. And um, it, it's a it's a changing world. It's 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 increasingly more difficult to make money from selling pre-recorded music because of uh, the there's so much streaming now. Right. They did just increase the streaming rates, uh, which is good, but still far from what it needs to be. Um, as compared to terrestrial radio rates and all that, right? Yeah, well, streaming streaming has replaced the buying of you know music. Mm -hmm. Where right. we, where you used to pay a dollar for a song, now you 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 get paid point zero seven five. Is mm -hmm. that it? Yeah, that's up from something worse. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to listen to a song a lot to make it worth a dollar. So the math is very challenging. So um, to, to, to succeed really as an artist, I think, today, you've, you've got to be successful on the road. I mean, you've got to have a touring. Uh, that, that's, that's the primary stream of, of income? Touring yeah. and merch. As an yeah. artist. Yeah. Touring and merch. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And everything else kind of affords you to tour the the recording the yeah, essentially albums now are just to Business support card. the tour yeah i mean that's that's sure. kind of the it's been, it's been that way for a while though the too. mo yeah. yeah but then also uh film and, and television placement 
it's got to be an yeah. also lucrative stream if he can yeah, hit. Sync license is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've uh, or can be. There's a there's there's a lot of pressure on that business too now because there's a there's so many sources of. I mean, there there are computers that can make background music for film. You know, right? That, that mm. they that and there's there's libraries of this and that, um, but. Um, there's really no substitute though for for a director getting together with a talented um, music supervisor or, or or composer and creating a score that can be used throughout the film with all the different motifs and stuff. And, right. then, uh, and then the mixing of the film is something else that we we do, which is something. I guess most people don't fully see because there's such a it, it, there's so many details that go into actually mixing not just the music but the dialogue mm -hmm. uh the foley the sound effects uh and there's often you know you have to replace dialogue sometimes and things like that and it's a really intricate process and um just getting the film to where the director can watch it with the dialogue, you know, level, mm -hmm. uh, that's a lot of work. And m most, you know, I th I, um, it all depends on the budget of the film, but I, th I think most film directors like that to get done before they start fooling around with it, you know. So, uh, But Daniel knows a lot more about that than I do. But. Are you mixing uh, the film? Yeah, I'll do one Thursday. Yeah, which is two days from now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll do. Uh, it's a film for the Memphis Film Prize. Uh, I've actually forgotten the title of it, but it's a. I think this one's a. It's like a nine-minute short. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's funny. It's That's like, great. Yeah, yeah. So being here ten years and and more, you, born and raised Memphian. Is yep. that right? Yeah. So I mean, with the seen uh memphis music uh how are you feeling about the state of, of of memphis music right now state of the union state of uh artist and uh the scene so to speak uh i read not too long ago a studio from nashville moved down here yeah memphis magnetic recording yeah. i believe mm -hmm. is there a name uh, it, it, it there's definitely uh a lot going on here um it, it, it's a lot more diverse than it used to be, and, and uh, there's a lot of new artists. Uh, I just met one the other day who moved here from L.A., who's, mm -hmm. a, who's an established artist. That's the, that's the second established artist I've met in the past year who moved here from out of... Uh, I, well, they both came from California. Uh -huh. um, and I, I think it's a real healthy scene. There's a lot of talented uh, producers here, that are choosing to stay here, like Matt Ross Fang, for example. Right. Although he does work all over the place. Um, and there's some good studios, and um, it's it's just a lot of young people coming up that I probably don't even know uh, um, that are that are very talented. So I uh, I think it's a pretty healthy environment right now. Yeah. Yeah. We we just did we did a project recently with Matt for a, a nashville artist who wanted to record here mm -hmm. uh, in memphis so it was pretty incredible 
what's happening. It's it's like yeah. a yeah. You know, I, I've often said I think there's more recording going on in Nashville than in L.A. or New York. Right. And you know the way that the place is growing, we're now in their orbit. So just the just the people that take the wrong turn on the interstate wind up here it's significant <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, uh, no we, we, a lot of people that just want to get out of town you know yeah uh, and of course there's a long history of people going back and forth I mean a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, like for instance Greg Morrow who had a studio here for a number of years is, was, is a great drummer and I, he's probably one of the top drummers, studio drummers in Nashville. And uh, he's he's from here. And uh, we actually got him to uh, play on John Kilzer's Hideaway album back in 2014, I believe we, we did that. And he was unbelievable. Hmm. So worth the effort to get him here. Uh, uh, it was a really interesting session. We had three guitar players it, well, it was all live and had three guitar players out there yeah uh, Steve Steve Selvage right um, uh, Luther Dickinson and Alvin Youngblood Hart Alvin Youngblood Hart and I and I walked in and I thought oh no this is gonna be a you know a super jam or something <laughs> but it turned out absolutely great and it was one of the that and the last one we did were two of the most for me, the most exciting recording sessions I've been in, and um, but in the in that first one, the the big surprise was Greg Morrow and how he was so prepared mm. for the session, mm -hmm. and he had programmed little little uh, loops uh, loops that he would hit when they went into a bridge to sl to kind of change the beat up a little bit. Did he have like a little octopad or something to do that? How, how no, was it was like a that? little. Doctor, a, a little, a big Doctor Beat. Basically. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. huh. yeah. But it would go into the cue system, mm -hmm. and it, it just worked like a champ. And he, he, he really um, was in. He he was sort of in control. You know, <laughs> I have the drums. I'm in control. <laughs> you know, you're going where I'm going, and uh, but it worked, and it was great, and uh, so. So, so with your label, is it um, if you go online and you see the the artist uh, with Archer Records, is is a uh, is it intentionally uh, like a, a Memphis sound? Would you describe it that way, or I mean, uh, how how broad a palette of, of artists are are you guys representing, or maybe looking to pretty broad? Yeah, the the roster is everything. I mean, if especially if you include the Blue Barrel stuff, so all the artists that we quote unquote manage. Um, not that we're manager, but uh, I mean everything from uh, like uh, like pop and R and B to Americana right. to Rick and alt Roy. rock to electronic to uh, brass band to blues. I mean, uh, and classical guitar. I mean, it's it yeah. is very diverse. Yeah, yeah. I've always admired the uh, non such label. And and I, I like to think that we're kind of a miniature version of uh -huh. of that label. It's 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 just good good music regardless of the genre. Um, I don't know that I could get excited about just being like a solid blues label or something. Yeah. I think I right. would I would just get 
a little bored with that and need to do something else. Although it would probably make more business sense. But, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to get excited about doing the same thing over and over again. So, Daniel, maybe for those who are, uh, you know, home recording enthusiasts, you know, people have a Mac and uh, a little rig going, what's your day-to-day like or your world in 10 years now running a a decent-sized house here? uh, Day-to-day, I guess come in catch up on on emails then i always have a running list of like maintenance issues yeah things that need to be fixed or or updated or etc just to make sure we're we're in good shape uh software side hardware side both, all of it yeah 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 we just upgraded our our back end completely uh got a brand new computer uh, brand new Pro Tools rig and all brand new plugins, uh, and then the biggest thing was the converters that we just got. Oh yeah, uh, just just got a Burl um, uh, the B80 mothership with uh, that's sexy stuff right there. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it, they sound amazing. Uh, we have we're 32 in, 48 out mm-hmm. uh, in, in that mothership, uh, and so. You know, making sure all that's that's clicking, uh, and waiting for for Avid to approve Mojave. So that's, that's okay. Big, yeah. So like, thing. I I actually got certified in Pro Tools seven four or something like that oh, back cool. in the day. Yeah. You know, I it was it was I got to go to New York and hang out and it was a blast. But uh, in the house in the multimedia company I was working for, um, yeah, the whole cocktail of like update m- matching up. OS and mm-hmm. just the headache and you know it was always like we'd even call up Avid or Digit Design back whatever it was back in the day and saying like hey what what's really you know bro to bro what's the most stable cocktail right now like you know and always holding off on but that's that's still that's still, still today game, right that's yeah. still the thing today still right? I was just reading they were supposed to Avid was supposed to release Mojave compatibility in March it obviously didn't come <laughs> And they were supposed to release Pro Tools 2019, because we're in 2019, turns out, uh, in April 6th or something like that at NAM, mm-hmm. And that was going to have Mojave compatibility, but that's not out. Yeah. So it's like a constant uh, world. We have It's running okay on our system, but we have a, a backup system just in case uh, that we have to hang on to because of all that so. so so for the for the music nerds the pro tools pro tools is still the daw yeah the most it's, common. it's pretty you, much the industry standard still even like right now i'm tracking on ableton live which yeah. won me over oh gosh probably seven almost 10 years ago i mean I've, I've been with it for a while uh i pretty much left pro tools just being an independent guy yeah so now i'm logic and, and ableton that seems to, to do pretty well for me yeah ableton's the the solid second at this point they've they've really come along i haven't used it but Mm -hmm. everyone i talked to uh probably a generation below me uh knows all about ableton yeah so uh i feel like they're they're definitely uh the the solid number two whereas logic used to be but i think once logic 10 came out uh, people jump ship yeah so i think apple's really good at making phones of late at this point hmm. <laughs> it yeah. seems like that's Phones, their watches and ipad that's their heart you know but hey 
that that's good. You know, um, you should tell them the story of the ISDN conversion to Source Connect. Um, well, yeah, if you want to nerd out on hey, software, let's, let's, let's nerd no, out for a minute. Sure. We used to have this, uh, you know, uh, ISDN lines. We had two ISDN lines, so we could talk to other studios, and, mm -hmm. and you know, we could we could do an NPR interview. Uh, but it was expensive. It was killing us. And, wow. Um, At that point, it was like 700 a month. Is that uh, right? If you did not use it. Yeah. If you used it, it's 700 Lord a month you plus you your long it, distance. Yeah. And wow. one night yeah. we left it on by accident, <laughs> and we got a $1,500 bill. And I it's, called, it's like like the nightmares of old dial-up days when you didn't yeah. know you were... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Using up your hours, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. but now, Gosh. but but then, then we discovered Source Connect, which is quickly becoming the industry standard, mm -hmm. and actually, from what I can see, works better. Daniel actually knows how to use it. Um, he's done a lot of. Yeah, Source Connect's super legit now. I remember when we first. The reason we got ISDN was because it supposedly wasn't as stable. Source Connect. I mean, it's basically ISDN is two phone lines uh, linked together to right. create uh, a really solid connection. Two analog phone lines. Super low latency. All Super that. low latency. It's yeah. like you're talking to them in the booth next door. Yeah. Uh, Source Connect is a broadband version of that. So it's over. It's over the internet. Um, mm -hmm. So it depends on you know the bandwidth on either side. Um, we're good here. Uh, and from my experience so far, everywhere I've talked to has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, and now you can even do it over the Chrome browser, which is super interesting. Wow. And that's a lot of podcasting is, is done. Remote podcasting is done through that. I think that's their market. Um, but, and then they have like, uh, they have the some source Nexus plugin where you can get that into whatever. Essentially, it's a dry audio driver. So mm -hmm. it links up to your core audio and tells the audio where to, where to go within the computer. And so you can get it in, in DAWs like Pro Tools and Ableton and things like that if you have that plugin. Uh, so, so yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, so you're like real time flying in players from around the, all over uh, the place? You can do that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it's super high quality. Uh, Source Connect now the free one goes up to like two fifty six, which is pretty decent. Um, and then uh, Source Connect regular, I mean you can do ninety six twenty four. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's really cool. It's 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 and they're a really cool company. They're super chill. They're always up to help out. Yeah, so. and and we it, uh, it's become. It seems like it's sort of becoming the go-to with NPR and, and such. I wouldn't say NPR yet. Well, there's, I've <laughs> talked to two NPR studios recently who won't use Source Connect. Oh. Uh, okay. Because they're all stuck in, well, ISD, it's the old heads that, yeah. that won't convert, just yeah. like change. So Source Connect has a uh, service where they can bridge yeah. you to an ISDN. Yeah. Like the sessions he's just talking about, we were able to get through to him about doing the bridge. Yeah. Uh, but it's always it's it's just a potpourri of of interviews and there's an actor in town that you know they need to interview or uh, and so it's been a, so so you're booking sessions here using is what you're saying for, for yeah, yeah and, yeah and right. it, but yeah. but it could be used for um, like this podcast could be we could be connected to to somebody else's studio yeah and, and be getting the same kind of audio. It's pretty. It's cool. great. Yeah. 
super cool. Well, Mr. Archer, thank you so much for hanging. I know you got to yeah. go run, do a thing, and I've got to go work on protect our aquifer for just a, just about an hour, and then I'll that's be good. Back. That's all. hey, thank you so much. We're gonna take a little pause right now, and boom, hey, we're back. Mr. Archer had to go. Do y'all talk about like Archer the 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 animation with him? Is he is he a fan of that? Is that is that a thing? No. We okay, don't, great. We don't we, talk all right. Well, I'm, <laughs> about that. I'm not sure he he has seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, like I said earlier, we are in the well appointed control room. And we were just talking about your reel reels, reels and API and Burl audio and all all, all the good stuff. Um, so how many people want to record straight to tape? Yeah, is that still a thing? Uh, more than have the budget for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually. Yeah. Uh, uh, we we do it as often as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, are you doing the thing like where you just use it as a... Like an effect. An enhancer? Mm-hmm. In, yeah, okay. So you, Yeah, you, a lot of times I've done it. I've done it m- both ways where we've literally just cut the... We just did a jazz project uh, and we cut everything straight to uh, a two-track half-inch. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, and so mixed it straight straight down live mix straight to half inch and it was done like yeah no revisions no nothing right it's kind of like back in the day cutting straight to vinyl yeah yeah and it's jazz i mean and it's jazz it it (laughs) should be that's (laughs) that's how it is you know you're not gonna be doing overdubs on jazz no wrong notes yeah yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly it's jazz um so we did we did that uh but then we we often do projects uh on we have a uh 24 inch two track um, mm-hmm. <laughs> 24 track two inch uh, Studer uh, that we do the like record and dump yeah quite often yeah uh, so just record like the rhythm section basically yeah and dump it in Pro Tools so it's kind of you get the best of both worlds sound of the tape but editing in Pro Tools so do, do, tape. do plugins get close to that you know like your your, your uh, saturation nothing that know? I've heard still huh uh-huh. yeah I mean there's there's really good plugins. We just got the UAD right. uh, uh, suite, and they have a uh, like they have an Ampex ATR 102 mm-hmm. on there, and it's cool. Yeah, but it's not still it's not, not the, the same. same. No. Yeah. no, and drums are are the main identifier. Yeah, with of that, drums, think? anything with like super transient mm-hmm. uh, notes, so you just want to crush the peaks. Yeah, you know, use that tape compression. Uh, drums on their vocals. Uh, honestly, I like vocals on tape, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as well as piano, which is weird to say because it's well, super like dynamic. Yeah. And, but I just something about what it does to those transients it just makes it smooths it out. And I mean, and do you do you slam it or you just kind of give a healthy gain to it or what? What do you depending what, do you like to which, do with what that? I'm putting on yeah. there? I slam drums. Yeah, slam drums. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't slam piano. Uh-huh. Yeah. If, if sometimes slam vocal. Depending on what it, what you want it to sound like, if it's a cool moment and just want to saturate the tape, let's let's do it. So, uh, the cool thing about uh, the burls, honestly, is that you can do that with them as as well. You can saturate the the converter because they have a transformer on the input uh-huh. of the converter, and you can saturate that transformer, and it doesn't peak immediately huh. uh, if you're hitting it kind of hard. So. Yeah. So it's it's that's super fun to mess with, um, and they have some cool things coming down the line. So like, I think they have one with a output transformer as well that you can bypass. Uh, so for the mastering guys, uh, anyway. Wow. All kinds of stuff, but but I like yeah. I'm starting because we haven't had the burls that long. I'm starting to like play with really saturating those 
those transformers. So, so yeah. Ward mentioned that you had been here for what, 10, yeah. 10 years, right? Yeah, so roughly. Yeah. What What did you do before that, and, and basically, how did you get into engineering uh, and mixing? I was. I went to school for this, went to University of Memphis, got a degree in recording technology. I guess it's a degree in music, but a concentration in recording tech. Uh, before that, music wasn't, wasn't a thing. I mean, I was in band in high school and all that yeah. stuff, but wasn't in, into recording. Uh, so I did that, and when I was in school, worked for, did live sound uh, at, at Hope Church. Hope uh, Prez? Uh, yeah. On Walnut? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did live sound there for three-ish years. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of other spots and then kind of made my way here. Uh, started off as an intern, as you do, and kind of fig- figured it out and moved up. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was kind of kind of the path. Uh, not the same as, as some people, but kind of the same as others, so. So were were you part of the uh, uh, making the wish list for the gear acquisition and stuff? Was that the new one? Yeah. The new, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to AES uh, in October uh, as kind of like a shopping trip. So uh, whereas I couldn't really hear much, I could talk to the people. Yeah. You know, because you get there and but uh, a but big the console room. was here before you. Oh, <laughs> uh, console was here before me. Yeah. Um, uh definitely yeah the console that's it was built in 06 um and got here in 07 it was actually at aes the year it was built uh so um yeah it's a beautiful console yeah i mean is it uh would would you have gone with api if it up to your druthers i mean is it uh Uh, yeah i'm I'm 100 percent cool with with api yeah api man they've been if nothing, the sound is obviously amazing, but their support is incredible. Oh wow! There's good people. They, mm-hmm. I mean, I call API. I mean, first of all, they're in Baltimore or ish, Baltimore ish area, so it's like just an hour ahead. Mm-hmm. So same same ish time zone. Um, and then I call up there if I need help, and I talk to, I can talk to their lead tech. Wow. Um, we talk often. We had a a uh automation so the console is fully automatable um uh and it's api's own like proprietary automation system so it's not flying faders kind of close um and but there's a power supply right uh there's six power supplies for the console one of which controls the automation control module which is the acm uh and that power supply we figured out that it was the power supply went dead uh right before a big session oh no of course and so, uh, so I talked to Rodovan, who was their, their tech, uh, for, you know, had to have been 12 hours that day. Uh, like we were FaceTiming back and forth, um, oh, over many different, uh, instances. And, uh, he ended up guiding me through like soldering oh, across gosh. rails on the power supply and. What? Kept just telling him like, "Hey, am I gonna die if I do this?" You know, <laughs> there's there's a lot of power going through, and do I need to turn this off? No, no, no. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay. He's, I would do it myself. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so that was that was fun, but yeah, that's just the service that you get. I feel like with API, I mean, they're so cool, um, and they supported this console for so long. They upgraded our automation to the newest one at no charge because the old one they knew just 
had quirks. So they, it, they're just so cool. Um, I uh, couldn't yeah, speak more highly of them. So, so for our computer-based uh, mouse mixers, like myself, how, how does that uh, talk to uh, Pro Tools sessions? Uh, Is it this just... console, it's a Vision, uh-huh. uh, talks over MIDI. Okay. So, well, uh, okay, back up. Um, uh, the automation is driven by linear time code uh, out of Pro Tools. Okay. So that's how the automation works. Uh-huh. But you can write automation in the computer mm-hmm. over MIDI. Mm-hmm. Um, the newer ones uh, go over USB. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Because uh, back in the day, you had to have a, a MIDI I.O., when right. this console was built. Right. Hmm. But now, you know, MIDI in is yeah. just over USB. You don't have to have a MIDI I.O. anymore. So, at least that's my understanding. I don't mess with MIDI too, too much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, So and Pro Tools uh, bought U-Control, or that Euphonics. Uh, they bought Euphonics. And so, right. all their, like, artist mix and stuff like that was Euphonics. So, that's U-Control. And so, I th- that, I think, is how they got out of using MIDI as... Uh, to controller automation okay. yeah, MIDI and that Huey interface that it used to be anyway. yeah um, but yeah so that's how the new stuff talks um, so so you track and mix on, on the console yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah 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 if I'm here if I'm not here it's in the box or I have a couple of artist mix yeah. well so it'll be all be in the box and I have like I have an Apogee Ensemble the mm-hmm. old one mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then yeah I think that's the only interfaces I use now. Yeah. yeah. And then as far as like, yeah, did you inherit the monitors or did you did you pick the Pro X and the? Uh, well, the Manleys are my personal ones. Uh-huh. I have mainly ML tens, yeah. uh, so they uh, are amazing. Actually, I heard uh, this producer we were talking about before, Craig Sylvie, came through, produced an album uh, of Amy Levere's, and um, he brought his. He has. T- <laughs> This is, when you know you have it, he has two pairs. He has a stateside pair, and, a, and a, he's in the UK, so a UK pair. So he had his stateside pair shipped here, and um, I fell in love with him. Now, so. now, for our listeners, Manly's mostly famous for their outboard gear. Yeah. And, and, uh, and probably even their microphone, their, um, what do they call that? Their, uh, that Manly microphone. Uh, the reference, yeah, the reference. reference gold, and I think they have a re- reference platinum. Maybe. So, how, how long have they been doing the manly microphone? How long have they been doing the monitor game? How long has that been? Uh, well, so man, what they did, uh, they bought the rights to the Mastering Labs crossover. Oh, okay. Um, so that crossover that you see, yeah, on the side, displayed the, proudly. Yes, yes, says manly plan. on it. Um, <laughs> that is the Mastering Labs crossover. Okay. Um, so that's where the 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 like the juju is in this this speaker. Okay. So. Manly doesn't make this speaker right. uh, or the monitor. Um, they, they have the crossover. And what you do now, back in the 80s, you could get an ML10 uh, but you from Mastering Labs. Now you can't. Um, now you have to source the driver from eBay or wherever you can find it. It has to be a Tenoy driver. Um, has to be a 10-inch either SGM or SRM driver. Oh, wow. Um and then once you get that, you can send the uh, drivers to Manly, and this very nice man named Gamma <laughs> will build you the cabinet and put the crossover. Dude, that, mm. So that's the most nerdiest thing I've heard a in a long time. It was a journey, oh uh, but I'm super happy. They're amazing. You know, I want to use this to, to talk about. Carl and I have this conversation every now and then um, about. 
basically the difference between using high-end gear and just solid professional gear like the you mean prosumer the prosumer well well not even not even necessarily that because i mean i would have it's pretty easy to say that the sm57 is well it's the sm57 right it's not like people don't use it in a professional Mm -hmm. situation right so uh, that being said it's like mm, all right how does one like how can you convince people i guess where's the threshold yeah where, where is the threshold all of a sudden it's like right? you know i gotta yeah. drop 80 grand right exactly now, to, sure. to be considered as opposed to whatever the term might be you know uh, legitimate to to super high end to you know yeah, whatever yeah. you know what yeah where's the uh well it depends it's probably an unanswerable question honestly it's uh, unfair yeah but. kind of i feel i feel like my personal opinion it depends on what you're talking about um and what your goal is mm-hmm uh, so if it's a microphone like a 57, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus even, so what does a 57 cost now? Like oh, 80 bucks. 80 bucks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something right. like that. Yeah. So, uh, let's, let's go to the difference. We're thinking about vocals, right? Uh, let's, difference between a 57 and SM7. Mm-hmm. Uh, SM7 is 300? Yeah. Right. Ish. Yeah. Four sometimes. Yeah. Used 280 um, on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're similar esque mics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, SM7 sounds better. Um, in my opinion, uh, you can get a lot more dynamic with it. Um, it's not going to distort as fast, things like that. Um, SM7 is used on tons of records. Uh, so, like Thriller, right? Didn't they make some I, of that? I guess. <laughs> I know it's used that that the big uh, what Chili Peppers record. Uh, yeah. um, what is so it? So lots of stuff. Yeah, Mother's Milk or something like that. Yeah. I forget what it's called. <laughs> Any, anyway, but yeah, so. So right there, um, I think you there would be a noticeable difference on vocals between mm-hmm. a fifty-seven and an SM7, uh, and I would think it, so. If if your goal is to record really good vocals, uh, start with a a better than fifty-seven microphone. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I think. Right, and 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 SM7 is a, is a good step up. You mm-hmm. know, it's not probably won't break the bank uh you know it's mm-hmm. 300 versus 80 you know um it's you're not buying a manly reference you know a huge diaphragm condenser that costs five thousand mm-hmm. dollars or something right in that world um uh but then like as, after an sm7 uh you're probably looking at spending like a couple of grand sure right because there's not many and i'm just talking about vocals yeah. uh there's not many like what what would that be like upper mid-range <laughs> microphones out there mm-hmm. i don't think that that sounds great i think i think the level is there it's like spend three to five that's at least from what i've seen and heard and then you're in like the two grand game um and for two grand you can get incredible microphones you don't yeah. have to spend the eight grand yeah. like i mean this sure i heard like an upton 251 i think is like two grand mm-hmm. um those things are legit uh, and then uh, uh another company's called aea their mm-hmm. ribbons yeah oh my gosh so good and great like bang for your buck too so i guess th- what i'm what i'm kind of getting at is a common question that i would i would assume a lot of people have I, um so before these not really before they existed but well like we said earlier lots of great albums have been you know recorded with an sm7 yeah right? or like bono uses a 58 
Uh, right. So on his vocals. Yeah, but I guess that, they're, they're, but that's they're, also going into like a nice ten seven yeah, three. That, I mean, that was me. My next like. Uh, right. Well, I mean, but but we're 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 uh, concentrating okay, on mics. Sorry. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah, sure. But I, I mean, the whole shooting match. Right. Yeah. So you know, there. And of course, I don't have any examples right now, but I would imagine that there are plenty of albums where consumers are completely satisfied, right? That they weren't mixed on, you know, whatever, oh, yeah. whatever yeah, yeah, board yeah. and everything like that. So, but yet there is a difference, right? You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, we know that there's a difference, right? It, it's worth <laughs> coming to Archer I, I, and, and you're asking like, and what is the, the end session. game of the of this production? You know, what what are the hopes or what is the placement of this production? Right? If you're looking to try and have something placed in film. Television. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so so there's each a, there's a threshold of quality you're trying you, that's expected, right? So so if the end is the consumer, right? That's I, I guess that's my main yeah. question. If the, the the person who doesn't know the difference, uh-huh. right? It's um, well, like okay, back in the '90s, uh, as I was kind of working for this media house, it, it was the joke of like, yeah, you have all you have multiple thousands of dollars being distilled down to a crappy sounding mp3 that was kind of like the mm-hmm. the tragedy it of kind of still is it, it, yeah there's, <laughs> i mean right to to a point uh yeah. i mean you have you have some part of your audiophile folks want to listen that at least 48 or whatever they're neil you young know. yeah yeah the neil young thing yeah, <laughs> yeah sure right um okay but you know you, what, what your go-to here is still maybe a like a u87 is that kind of for vocals? Yeah, we've got a couple you know? of u87s we've got an old one and a new one i yeah. mean that that's good we actually have a sound deluxe u99 which is a U forty seven rip, um, I believe. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong. I think it is. Anyway, that's kind of my go to for, for vocals. If we're talking about vocals, yeah. I mean that thing sounds incredible. Like the presence, and I've tried to go away from it like three or four times to to a eighty seven, or we have, you know, we've got like a Gefell, a Microtech Gefell something or other. I'm sorry, I can't remember the number on that one. Was Sound Deluxe the company that changed their name? Like, was that Bach or is that? I Bach, think they have Bach Audio and, I, and became. I'm not 100 percent. Anyway, sure, yeah, honestly. that's going back a little bit. Uh, okay. That sounds familiar, though. Uh, yeah, that's constantly my go-to vocal mic. I and just, that's running into the console, or do you run it? Yeah, outboard? I run it through API Pre. I usually hit either uh, 1176, the the Blackface. Yeah. Uh, or we have a, a AT101 Analog Tube 101. Um, it's a Fairchild 670 rip, yeah. Um, which this guy Simon Saywood made. He's based out of the UK. It's incredible, right? I mean, he sourced the same tubes. I mean, it's. I think I saw the YouTube video on that. It's super legit. It's I mean, there's 24 tubes in this thing. Yeah. Uh, so, and also super nice guy. Um, but uh, but yeah, either, either 1176 or that. Um, and I usually DS on the way in. Um, so. Hard, hardware DS or hardware DS? DS. It's yeah. a, through a DBX nine hundred. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, so folks, could, they can listen to that. Like, uh, like the Killzer track and Amy. Is that, is that kind of their go to? Yeah. Uh, well, the newest Killzer that was the Upton two fifty one. Okay. Um, I'm not. I can't remember the compressor on that. Um, upcoming Amy will be through that signal chain. The Sound Deluxe. Um, the Sound Deluxe. Yeah. That or. See, I was trying to go away from this Amy record that I, that I've been working on for a long time. It's, it's like two years in, in the making. Oh wow! So so which is fairly rare, but it's when they could could come in the studio uh, from touring. I mean, they toured tons. Her and, right. her and Will. So uh, so that I was trying to go away from the sound of Lux again. So I was using a lot of uh, it's a Bronner VM1S, mm. um, just because I I don't know why. 
I just wanted to use Mix it. Mix it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just used one capsule of it, um, just making it a Bronner VM1, I get that at, at that point. Uh, but I kept going back to the sound look. So, yeah. <laughs> so the new, the newer Amy will have both of them on there, which is funny. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. And then like old stuff that we've done, I'm trying to think, well, all of hallelujah. I'm a dreamer. Uh, Amy's record would have been through the sound deluxe that was cut live. Mm-hmm. So you can hear that live little, little bass bleed in that mic. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's a solid mic. And, um, and kind of, kind of like, world. and kind of the ethos of this room is is a live tracking. Primarily. Yeah, we try to track live as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have done records where it's more of the overdub style, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we if I can do it. Plus, it helps with budgets. I mean, you know, right. time is money. That whole thing, and yeah. if you can track it all live, um, and just minimal overdubs, like overdub like a lead like a solo or or and recut the vocals like you do a scratch check during during rhythm tracking uh if i cut it all live it really helps everybody first of all the the groove is there and second uh we're not spending as much time going back you know cutting drums then mm. cutting bass right then cutting guitar right so if you have the space and the inputs let's let's use it you know that's what i think yeah uh, especially if i mean it all comes down to the band uh, of course like I, I can do anything I want, but uh, the the band's if the band's good, right? Then it's awesome uh, and well rehearsed. Uh, so, so just, so do your homework, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and come and rehearsed. Uh, but uh, but in those cases, I'm just trying not to screw it up. So, <laughs> uh, just that's that's my job. Just don't don't muck up the the good stuff. So, well, well, how about we go down the list of your favorite? Uh, we're kind of touching that with the, get capturing the golden vocal. Uh, what do you like for guitars of late? What's your favorite cocktail uh, tracking? I mean, guitars? I'm usually pretty standard on guitar, a 57 yeah. and a uh, Royer, uh, the one twenty one. Do you have the Royer kind of about a, f- a foot off, or like how far back do you have? No, the, I'm, you have it right I'm, up on the on the grill? slammed right on the thing. The 57 is usually um, off of the uh, the the tweeter part of the horn. Okay, of of the uh, guitar amp and the uh, Royer's like probably dead center. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will, of the will hate that. Yeah, oh, yeah, but but I just think the Royer is darker, so I want it to capture more high end. And 57's way brighter, so I want to get it off the horn a little bit. Uh, wow. Uh, and but I've also done like the put the Royer behind the 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 cabinet just mm-hmm. to and throw it out of phase just to you know capture some some different stuff. But I just never never really dug that so huh. yeah. uh bass guitar bass uh we we're lucky we have we have an ampeg b15 flip top here so i noticed that <laughs> yeah so usually di and capturing it with uh i really like condensers on bass so and pencil condensers so we have like a cam 84 that's yeah. usually my go-to looks like a shotgun shell type yeah 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 super yeah. tiny uh, yeah. guy but I, I i love it on interesting bass. super accurate uh, so you stick that in the center of the 15? Yeah, 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 just right dead center, about six inches off, probably. Okay, catch some of the wave. Um, yeah, I'm, that's that's what I'm digging. And right then, now. Uh, do you like dirty up the direct? You know, maybe or just uh, it depends you? on the application. Yeah, uh, we have uh, some Spectrasonic 610s here, uh, compressors, complementers hmm. that. Uh, usually on the back end, uh, when I'm compressing it right. for mix, they distort in a cool way, 
so if the song calls for it, I'll uh, kind of peg it on the output, and it just it's it's a cool sound. Wow! Without being nasty. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now how about drums? I know that can go oh, so tons. many ways. Uh, right? But I like a good mono overhead. Okay. I'm not a. I don't like I, a lot of what we do here. First of all, is is Americana ish. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, usually RCA seventy seven mono overhead. Okay. Um, then uh, you kind of rely on your room. Did you room mic to kind of depends. widen up the drums? Uh, we have a uh, in the we have an ISO booth uh, as as well as uh, I'm sorry the main tracking room. If I'm in the main room, uh, I will have rooms pretty wide. If it's an ISO booth. Sometimes I'll do a room. Sometimes I won't. If if I do do a room, uh, got stereo Royer, mm-hmm. they're sticking there, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like ninety degrees, so it's not too too wide. Um, so if you're tracking live, what 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 else are the drums maybe picking up? Like as, as far as the band tracking live, oh, is that- uh, at most, like movement, uh. They're not picking up too much. Okay, I mean, so you got you got, so, the, you got the guitars in the in like in the booth. Oh, the or, guitars are in the booths. Yeah. yeah, the amps are in the booths. Yeah, um, everybody's on the floor, but the amps are in the booths. Yeah, um, right. they, they might get a low end from the bass cab, but it's not that. But no yeah. big deal. Cool. Roll that out um, or use it. Uh, so ribbon on top, and what, what do you like for? Yeah, ribbon on top. Uh, then uh, uh, snare standard you know, fifty-seven top bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we we actually have this Mojave, uh, I can't remember the model. It's a condenser, giant condenser though, but it's a pencil. And it's super fat, <laughs> uh, and it sounds cool if it's like a uh, more rock rock snare for a bottom mic or a uh, top. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty slick. Um, it creates this like kind of sound yeah. as opposed to like super woody sound. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but then. Usually like a 451 on the hat, sorry, AKG 451 on the hat, uh, and then 421s on toms, but I never changed that. Right. And then uh, you, some sort of like smash mic, so a, a mic, I've used like an SM7, I used a 58, um, I feel like every engineer's got their little version of a smash mic at least the ones i've worked with and smash mic being like the mic that you just you take to yeah it's crunch a, the entire yeah I usually yeah. use 1176 and go like all buttons in yeah and then peg the input and mitigate the output just to so it doesn't uh peak mm-hmm. uh that or i've used the 610s to do the same thing i've used uh i've done it it just recorded it dry and used software to do it yeah. used distressors to do it so you know all kinds of ways. You like to, you like the Sans amp, uh, the Sans amp, yeah, the old the, the, Sans the, the old Sans amp for dirty and I used, dirty yeah, stuff. Yeah, I remember. I used to use Sans amp so much. <laughs> I haven't used that in a long time. Uh, <laughs> Next record, you know, Sans amp all over <laughs> everything. Sans amp. Where where do you put that mic? Uh, the the uh, I put mic. it. So if you were looking at the drum kit from audience perspective, yeah, uh, the above the kick. Usually I'm working with people who only use one tom, so it's like mm-hmm. easy to get in there. Mm-hmm. So you're not looking at two rack toms; it's mm-hmm. usually a rack and a floor. So, so I can get in there on the uh, the side of the kick drum that's not the tom side, right? Uh, the rack side, and so usually like above the kick, staring at the side of the snare. Yeah. Uh, and so it gets a lot of snare. Some hat, 
Um, and then some kick kind of naturally rolls off the kick. Yeah, yeah. it's it kind of it, it's a little off axis of the kick, mm-hmm. so that helps because uh, I don't want a lot of kick in that mic, but uh, enough to sound dirty. Yeah. So. And then kick drum, yeah, you go through a lot of different many moods as to what you're going to yeah, do the kick, kick with. Yeah, I mean, usually D112. Yeah. We've got a sub kick here or a homemade sub kick. So yeah. the NS10 speaker that I soldered some leads on. Yeah, right. Uh, plug it straight in. Usually don't even go through the uh, uh, preamp for that because it's just hot. Mm-hmm. So I can bypass it, go straight into, into Pro Tools. Um, uh, and you, do you tend to throw blankets over kicks I and stuff? Or, I, mean, you know. I don't like doing that. Uh, or haven't really had the – I've tried it. I yeah. just didn't get a – it wasn't worth it to me, all that effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, But some people will love it and do it all the time you know set a mic like three feet back yeah uh to get that the top of the 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 low end wave um but i just i'm like one in like d112 in or excuse me slightly out and then the the sub kick uh kind of at the front of the kick i try to get it to where the beater is right on it just to get more movement yeah of air um yeah i've actually been wanting to experiment more with stuff on the beater side to get more attack huh um it's just kind of the mood i'm in sure right now, so. and then so obviously what? you spend a lot of time with the with b3 is is there a yeah uh 414s yeah on either side or if you like have a stereo bar on one side of the leslie oh the leslie of the, yeah, yeah sorry so, and then uh 421 on the the low wheel right so the way leslie's built you have this rotating cone looking thing at the top mm-hmm. and then you actually have a, a, a like a baffle or is it another speaker on the bottom it's another speaker yeah. and it's it's got a belt on it yeah right thing. yeah it's it's a trip it's yeah it's really cool <laughs> i don't know who designed that but they were they were on something <laughs> <laughs> crazy so uh, what about um cl- uh, you, you record lily afshar so yeah. when you oh her signal guitar, chain so, yeah. yeah uh her what have i done with her what have i done with her? it's been a very long time uh, usually, okay, yeah, it was, it was the Bronner VM1S, um, uh, at near, like, cause the classical guitarists hold the guitar kind of up. They're not like a traditional position. They're mm-hmm. more the body by their waist and then like the, the, the neck by their ear almost. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to describe, but so I've got. Usually the the VM1S um, near the bottom of the body and um, kind of spread like 90-ish degrees because the capsules, you can move those. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and then the um, uh, the Royer stereo, stereo ribbon, uh, same spot kind of, but just enough off axis of the VM1S so it doesn't block the... Royer stereo because I can't move that. That's fixed stereo mm-hmm. position, um, and that's kind of that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, going through API, don't compress in. Right. Uh, just yeah. just make sure you don't peak, kind of thing. Like, um, and let her take care of it. I mean, she's insanely talented. So that's one of those don't screw it up things. Mm. Like, put a mic there. Right. Get happy with it real quick. Right. And then let her go. Yeah, so, and a and a seal string. And. A, just a regular acoustic How oh oh uh i'm a simple dude with that uh 1414 with the low cut 
spawn uh, right in between the like splitting the difference between the the fretboard and the hole. That's it. Yeah. Now, uh, what I do, it's not. You're talking like for steel string, right? Yeah. 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 It's nothing. Nothing crazy. Right. Um, I don't. I've tried to mess with recording like all kinds of different ways, but it comes back to that. It just comes back to that, and yeah. with usually what I'm recording it's more than sufficient so so can you describe or do you, do you have a, a thought out a philosophy of mix of how you approach a, a mix uh like steps well i mean or, or just like like i mean we could get lost in the weeds yeah you know, but, but i'm just like, gonna say is, uh, that i think is a record not that we've been on the air so to speak for that long that's a record uh, amount of time that we have allowed ourselves to geek out uh, oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to mention this and we'll, we'll, we'll mention this we'll say like hey Archer Records cool and then Ward and like now we're gonna nerd out yeah. for, 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 for the recording yeah. enthusiasts but uh, um, you know like um, pe- people who are I mean it, it, it's, it's so accessible you know just de- just demoing plugins so for yeah. someone like um, like do you load up your channels full of plugins or are you trying to keep it like what like what well, I'm philosophy of mix and that I can mix on an analog board and have tons of outboard gear at my disposal but, usually. So, but you still reach for that? That's still part of your oh, sound? Oh, I still use plugins all the time. Like, uh, I love these API EQs. Amazing. We have the, the four-band variety. Um, what is it? 550As? I'm bad. Right. I'm bad with numbers. Um, but uh, but if I want to get, like, super accurate, like, Fab Filter's my go-to. Uh, their Q3, I think is the new one just came out, mm-hmm. um, or newish one. Uh, I love it. I mean, it's insane. It's as transparent as you want it to be. Um, so, so you do kind of like surgery with that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So stuff Taking like stuff that. Out. Um, if I'm, uh, it just depends. Uh, we've got, we've got like, I love using tape slap, like real tape slap. Um, use, the the Atari for that, oh, wow. but but also I'm a huge fan of Sound Toys, yeah, and Echo Boy, yeah, and their whole effect rack. So if if I don't think Tape Slap is is uh, appropriate for what's going on, that first thing I reach for is Echo Boy. Could, could you say maybe you uh, maybe would you cut more with plugins and boost maybe more with the, with the console? That's yeah. Honestly, I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, typically, yeah. yeah. Did the console provides maybe the the air or you mm-hmm. know some of the yeah usually I mean especially if it's like a quick I need a low cut yeah like I'm just gonna do it in the box yeah I mean it's just quick easy yeah. I, I, I we have low cuts on on the console but their dB per octave is is super shallow oh wow it's not steep at all right and so if I need like a thirty six dB per octave cut it's like it's like straight up wall yeah gone. let's just I'm yeah. throwing a plug in on it yeah with a quickness. Um, I don't. I haven't. I don't worry about DSP too much either, because again, I'm not using too many plugins. Yeah. I've never had it be like, hey, you you can't do this anymore. You've got to get off some natives and go DSP or whatever, vice versa. But uh, so kind of lucky there. Um, and then uh, if I'm going to DS uh, during the mix, it'll be a plugin. Uh, we do have the hardware DSers, but I've only got three of them. Yeah. So. And and the plug-in version does it just as well. What, what, what do you like for DSing? Uh, I've, again, Fab Filters DSers is awesome. Yeah, it's crucial. I think yeah. it's just called Fab DS. Right. And like the letters DS. Um, it's awesome. But, what's uh, what, what's uh, what, what's your what's your latest uh, master bus? 
We gotta let him go here in a little bit, but look, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good good place to end the interview. Like, so your master yeah, bus, yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah, do, you, what do you like for that? Um, I mean, like, do you, do you do you have to uh, budget wise? Do you end up kind of mastering for people or, all the time, right? So if I'm if I'm doing, especially if I'm doing hip hop stuff, yeah, uh, the hip hop genre, it's mix and mastering. I mean, the the that world just doesn't take it to a separate right. So for our yeah. listeners, your master bus is, is, is the last two channels where everything gets thrown into it. And, and we can, quote, stem out for things. But let's say you're, you, you, you're, you're reaching the, you're, the end of your mix and your master bus, how, how do you look at it as far as like, okay, I'm going to send this off to mastering and I have to do all this in-house. What are your kind of two go-tos with, with, with your master bus of late? Uh, well, if I'm sending it off to mastering. Yeah. Uh, like what I'm, I've, I've done today, I have a we have the GML 8500 uh, uh, EQ, uh, uh, and so plug-in or, or, or real? Oh, hardware. real hardware. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, and so I use that uh, if I need to. Like, yeah. I try to not use yeah. that. That's been my goal lately. I used to just rely on it. It was like I can just fix it with that thing <laughs> if I need to. But now I'm trying like. To be very conscious uh, more of EQ and things like that, mm-hmm. and just to not use it because you know if I'm just new 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 challenge. Um, and then we have the uh, the another hardware SSL the G Comp, um, just the stereo compressor. Yeah, bus yeah. compressor. Use that. Um, uh, it's the tail end nine times out of ten. Um, if uh, it depends on the project. If I need more warmth on it, I do use the uh, the analog tube. It has a stereo switch, uh, so I use that on my bus instead of the the, the SSL. So, like if you're trying to take care of uh, crispy highs, or if it's too yeah, or, or just something. like add some tuby okay. tubeness to it. You yeah. know, sometimes you need it uh, on a project if it's like um, I don't know. Maybe even the classical guitar would the I got I'm, I kind of almost got in trouble until this and then I'll be, I'll be good I promise but like uh, uh, I was trying to do something different with Lily's which one did I do music at the camera album and you know it's classical guitar is cool you know it, it's fun like it's it sounds pristine kind of yeah. thing but I kind of wanted to do something different and so I. <laughs> Um, looking back on it, it's dumb, but I, I used the tape machine as an effect. So I, I printed on my, the, on my bus, instead of using a compressor or whatever, I just hit the tape kind of hard and it wasn't recorded to tape. I was just throwing it on the tape and then printing it back into Pro Tools, right. mm-hmm. but hitting it kind of hard to mm-hmm. take care of some of those transients. And then there was this one review, I'll never, I'll never forget it. It was like the weirdest review I've ever done <laughs> on any album that said, uh, we we really like the album uh, sonically though uh, it sounds bad but in a good way <laughs> I was like I don't know what that means that, but I'll take it is that a classical reviewer oh 100% <laughs> yeah yeah I don't I forgot the publication but oh, that's great. it sounds in not so many words sounds bad but not in, but in a good way in a good I was like, way so, a goal so achieved. If you're going like for the old like Segovia and Bream recording sort yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I guess it was just like, some patina on it. So yeah, to speak. it oh, just great. yeah, put some spit on it or something. Right. Like I was like, this is, I guess I, that's exactly what I was doing. I don't know. So, so, so if it's all in the box and you're and you're you're, you're having to be the mat, yeah, if I'm doing the like mastering, the, the mastering yeah, what, yeah. what do you like to throw? Uh, in there? I'll use um, if it's depends on the project. Uh, the UAD Verimu, um, the mm. Manly Verimu. Uh, complimenter is awesome. Um, it's I'm in love with that. 
Uh, also, um, um, uh, Isotopes Ozone. Yeah, is is really really cool. Uh, and uh, sometimes a combination of those two uh, to get because ozone, you know, will will EQ as well as uh, limit. Yeah. So I'll, a lot of times I'll go Varimu into the ozone, like on my master fader. Um, and or vice versa depending on what i want to do but usually it's very me first first and then the ozone um as well as i really like the imager on the ozone so i can like a lot of the hip-hop stuff i feel like comes out because by the time that you're it's your world you get a hold of it the guy has made the beat yeah he's processed the beat yeah how many times i don't know um then the guys i've imported it which processes again yeah then He's tracked to it. So it's been a lot of time getting processed to hell. Uh, and then by the time I print it, it's processed again. <laughs> and so I feel like that takes a, a lot of the, the the width out of things. Okay. Maybe. I don't yeah. know if it does, but yeah. my ears Some, tell me it something. does. So, yeah. so I, I'll use the stereo imager and just kind of expand things. I feel like it puts air back in it and makes cool. it breathe. and. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like other people probably do it too, but I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my my in the box, like faux mastering. Oh, what about reverb? I know I know we're cutting up on time here, but what's well, I'll what's, make I'll make quick. We've got an EMT one hundred and forty uh, like play a real, reverb, here. a real a real, a real one, one. Oh, yeah. gosh. as well as a BX uh, BX twenty, uh, AKG BX twenty spring reverb, yeah, uh, real as well. Yeah. So those are my go tos. Uh, but in the box, um, I mean, Altiverb's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Valhalla. I don't know if y'all are down yeah. Valhalla. Valhalla yeah. is so legit. Great price. It's like fifty dollars. Yeah, That's right. Amazing. Huh. And then I'm gonna go right back to FabFilter. I just discovered there are their FabFilter R, and this this thing is it's really cool. Uh, and you can adjust anything on it. Nice. It's incredible. So those those would be my go tos in the box. Uh, definitely. Um, but yeah. Very yeah, cool. It's kind of my world. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for yeah, geeking bro, out with us coming. here, man. This yeah. was a blast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah. to Ward, had to go, but uh, Archer Records, man, jump online, check out their their uh, library, their their roster of artists, and uh, keep tabs on on. I mean, Daniel's in the midst of a of a mix right now. Yeah, cranking yeah. out good stuff. Yeah, musicartsstudio.com. Musicartsstudio.com is the studio website. So yeah, and awesome. Check out cool. Blue Barrel and yeah, yeah. Blue Barrel and Archer Records. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks again. Cool. Thank you. Right on. Well, I'm ready to buy some expensive microphones, Mr. As am I. (laughs) Man. Dang. What a lot of great gear. Yes. Um, Thanks again to Daniel uh, for sitting down with us. And Mr. Archer. Mr. Archer. Check out their lineup on Archer Records. If you're a film uh, industry person... Go hang out and have have them mix it down for you. They'll they'll, yeah, they'll kill good. it. It's 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 a great facility. And uh, like we said, this is what this was our last interview uh, of the season. Uh, enjoy. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your buddies. We're starting to put together season four. Season four coming soon. It really helps if you go and comment. Give us some stars on yes. iTunes or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. I guess it's the same thing, but. Wherever you get your podcast, it really helps to uh, comment and like, et cetera, et cetera. Show your grandma how to play a podcast. Don't forget about that swag we got on the website, mm. muddypigproductions.com. Mm. See you next time.